Hello, everyone. My name is Mike. I'm the family pastor here. I want to welcome you to Waypoint this morning. Hope you had a terrific Thanksgiving. And if you're like me, you probably ate a little too much, which that's what it's all about. So if you'd go ahead real quick and just bow your heads with me, I want to just come before the Lord real quick. Uh, Lord, we come before you. We come before you with humility. We come before you with open ears. Uh, we come before you with a attitude of thanksgiving, God. Uh, as we got to spend time, hopefully, with family and friends this uh, week, uh, we reflect on what you've done for us. God, you're a good God. You care about us. You love us. And I just ask this morning that in some small way, whether it be through the musical side of the worship, um, potentially the speaking, potentially the conversations with other people, would you just calm our hearts this morning and, and open our hearts to you, Jesus. May your Holy Spirit flow through us to give us an opportunity to grow. We thank you so much for this body of people. And I pray not only for this church, but churches around the country, churches down the road, churches all around the world, God. We pray that people would flood the buildings and that your name would be glorified because that's really what this is all about. We love you and we are so grateful for you, Jesus. And it's in your amazing name, amen. Well, it feels like the year just continue, continues to fly by. It was 2018, I remember when the clock struck midnight and I'm like, okay, it's 2018, it's a new year and it's already almost December. On Friday, my wife and I, uh, she left for Florida with her mom and our little boys and so I'm, I'm home alone for the week. And, uh, but she's like, before we, before we leave, I'd like to, I'd like to decorate for Christmas, and I was like, absolutely. So we decorated for Christmas, chucked the tree up, and everything is really good. And it got me kind of thinking and reflecting back on the year, and just, uh, it's really interesting to me how fast sometimes these years go. And as you take a time and a moment to reflect, it's amazing what you can think about. 2018, I was excited for it. It was a new year. I thought, man, I'll probably, you know, exercise, maybe go on a diet, maybe I'll set some goals, all this stuff. And I did those things for a little bit, and I thought, this is going to be just a good year. And then February came, and I was in Florida, and we came back, my wife and I came back, and um, I won't go into the de detail right now, but uh, some things took place that we had to sort out in our lives. And I experienced the deepest pain I've ever experienced, and my wife experienced the deepest pain she's ever experienced. Because there was some things in our life that we had been realizing we were getting frustrated with each other, we were not communing, communicating the way we maybe should have to each other. And we've always had a great relationship, but we noticed in this season, with our second son being born, we ran into some issues. We were trying to figure this out. So we came home, and I was in a ton of pain, not physical pain, but stressed, confused, she was stressed, she was confused, and I was trying to figure out how I got to this particular point, and I thought to myself, God, I don't know, I don't know what to do, I don't know what's going to happen, and I know she felt that same way, and we tried to figure all this stuff out and talk about where some of the, the issues had come up in this season, and I thought to myself, wow, 2018 is not starting off to a very good year. And I remember laying in, awake in bed many nights and just crying out to God. Whether it would be, I would get by the side of my bed, I do this every night, I go pray over my sons every single night and then I kneel down by my bed every single night. And the reason I kneel is because I wanna physically show God 
that I'm not even worthy to stand in his presence. I wanna be able to kneel and say, this is me giving you everything. And I cried out to God and I said, God, please, I'm in pain, I'm stressed. This is not going how I thought it would, would go and I don't understand where this even came from. Where is all this stuff taking place and why is this happening? And I just felt tons of pain and I felt so desperate. Have you ever been this place before? You just feel so desperate. You feel like God is is kind of letting you let some of this stuff soak in and this pain and you want it to go away. You're trying to get rid of it as quickly as you can because nobody wants to live with pain. In fact, if I was to ask you right now, if you can raise your hand, how many of you guys enjoy pain? Nobody would raise their hand. Nobody enjoys pain. Nobody wants pain. We don't want it to be a part of our lives. And I was experiencing this pain and I wasn't sure what was gonna happen and I asked God, to rid it. I said, can you rid me of this pain? I can't carry this. I can't carry the burden. I can't carry the stress. I can't carry the pain. And I certainly don't want to live like this anymore. Reveal to me what you need to reveal and let's, let's figure this thing out. And this morning, what I want to talk to you about is this idea of pain. That one of the things that we try to run from is actually one of God's greatest tools. And I actually feel kind of almost weird talking about it on stage because I know there's a chance that I could go home and experience pain and I'm not sure how I'd handle that. So for me to challenge you today and challenge myself about this idea of pain becoming power, becoming peace, becoming a a preparing tool that God can use is really, really difficult. But I can tell you in 2018, in February, I was feeling very desperate. I also wanna ask you a question. When things are going really good, When things are going incredibly good, life is great, you're on vacation, the food's good, family's around, friends are around, everything's awesome. I wanna ask you this morning how desperate you are for God. If I was to be honest with you, the times that I cry out to God the most is the time that I'm hurting the most. When I'm in pain is the time I find myself on my knees the most. But when I'm not in pain, Sometimes I, maybe you're not like me, I hope you're not like me, but sometimes I get this idea that maybe I don't need God. Things are going well, good things are taking place, life is going smooth, I got all the stuff I want. God, if you can, you know, you can kind of help me when I need you, but I'm okay if you don't really show up because things are good right now. And then all of a sudden something takes a turn for the worst and I find myself crying out to God. And I don't wanna be a person that has to be in a desperate situation to be desperate for God. But I think that's what we do sometimes. I think we feel like we have to get in a desperate situation to be desperate for God. And it's really hard. And I'm not using this as a condemning thing because I'm telling you this is me that is walking through this. But I wanna say this as a challenge that we do this so often. And I believe it's just a human nature thing that when things are good, we don't necessarily need God is what we feel. But when things are really, really crummy, we find ourselves crying out for God to take the pain from us. I wanna tell you that this morning, God does not enjoy pain. See, if he allows it, then he probably has a purpose for it, but he doesn't enjoy pain, he uses pain. He uses this as a tool. And I would venture to say that in the year of 2018, every single one of you has experienced pain, has experienced maybe some sort of physical pain or you're, you're fighting through. I know people in my life that are experiencing physical pain, that are dealing with things. I know some people that are experiencing mental pain. They're struggling with depression, with sadness. I know some people that are experiencing pain of something that somebody did to them. Maybe somebody said something to them and they just keep replaying that in their head and there's that pain. Maybe it's pain that you caused somebody. But I know that in 2018, we've all experienced pain. 
And a lot of times we try to run from it. And I wanna say, again, that if God allows pain, then he wants to accomplish something through it. In fact, pain is a really essential part of Jesus' story. Because without pain, never would have, the cross would have never pl- taken place. You see, God was in pain. Jesus was in pain. And what started off as pain and death became purpose in life. And I believe he wants to repair us today. I believe that he wants to um, prepare us for great things. And so I wanna show you today in a couple key verses and a key parts of scriptures, some different forms that you can look at to identify. It's things that you already know. I just wanna be able to maybe put them into words that maybe you haven't thought before. But I wanna use three parts of scripture. And the first one is in 2 Kings 3.15. It says, but now bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elijah. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I will fill this valley with pools of water. For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water and you and your cattle and other animals will drink. Now let's look at what, we, what we're just seeing right now. God is saying that I'm gonna fill this place with pools of water, but I'm not gonna bring any wind or rain. That's a little confusing to me. There's different times in my life where I've sensed God telling me something, but it doesn't seem like it's adding up because I'm not seeing it at the moment. God is telling these people, there's gonna be water. Oh, but hey, there's not gonna be any wind or rain. These people are in the desert of Edom, which means there is no, no water around. If you were to look at this place, it's barren. You could look for miles and miles and there's no water. It's this big dry desert. And God is saying, there is pools of water that I'm gonna give you that you and your cattle can drink, but hey, no wind, no rain. It's actually translated to not just yet this valley will be filled with, but it's yet you will have to dig for. That's the translation. So we're looking at it and we're seeing yet this valley will be filled with water. So that makes sense, but God, how? God is saying in the original translation, essentially, yet you will have to dig for, and he takes it a bit further in some of the translation. It says, this is what the Lord says, dig this valley full of, trench, full of ditches, full of trenches. That's what it actually says. As we look and see what, what God is talking about here, it starts to make sense a little bit. You see, these people come back, and they're probably frustrated because they want water. They're thirsty, they're fighting battles, they want some water. They need some water. And God says there's gonna be pools that you guys can drink from, but hey, you're in the land of Eden and I'm not gonna provide any wind or rain. What are we supposed to do? And as I look at this idea of pain in my life, many times I ask God to take it away from me and I think this is what he says to me. He says, Mike, I want you to dive deeper. The first thing I want you to know about pain is that God wants us to dive deeper. Here's why. They would have had plenty of water because underneath that ground, when they would have started digging, what they didn't realize is that God had provided tons of water under the ground at that moment. They would have dug, they would have dug, they would have dug, and they would have hit, hit a rock, and they would have had tons of water. See, in that moment, would it not make sense if they're suffering and they're in pain and they need something to drink? Wouldn't you just say, God, that's great. Like, I know you wanna just maybe make us think about this, but I'm really thirsty right now, and I would love to just get some water. I would love to be able just to have a little bit of water. If you could do that, that'd be awesome. Does this sound like you? Does this sound like me? It sure does, because I don't know how many times I've been in pain in my life, and I've just said, God, if you can take this away, that'd be great. If you can give me what I need right now, I know I'm suffering right now, but I really don't wanna deal with this. If you could just give me what I need right now, and God says, Here's the deal, Mike, I want you to dig deeper. I want you to dig deeper. What's the root of your pain? Can you look in the mirror and discover 
what is the root of this pain? I want you to dig deeper because there's water. Even when there doesn't look like there's any water. What also goes on, and I think it's really neat, is that when we begin to dig deeper, we begin to understand stuff about God that we maybe didn't realize before. We understand things about his character. We understand things about how he operates. We understand things about how he made us. And I think when you have an opportunity to dig deeper, you discover things that he made us for. A lot of times in the scriptures, we'll see God and he'll talk in parables. And parables can be a little confusing. Sometimes I'm reading a parable, I need to get the commentary because I'm like, what's going on here? He, God's, Jesus is talking, I'm not really understanding this. And in Luke 8, 9 through 10, Jesus uses a parable. He actually uses a parable a couple verses before. And all of a sudden the disciples say this, they say, what, what are you talking about? So he says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. In Luke 8, 9 through 10, his disciples asked him what the parable meant. What does this mean, Jesus? He says, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. He's talking to the disciples. But to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is a very confusing part of scripture. Jesus is essentially saying to the disciples, you guys understand the parables, so when I speak in the parables, you're understanding to some extent what I'm trying to say. But to others when I speak in parables, they might hear it, but they're not really understanding it. They might see it and not really understand it and not really get it. Why would Jesus do this? The whole reason he's doing this whole parable thing is because what he's trying to say in this part of scripture is essentially this, that oftentimes we have the knowledge, we understand, but we don't wanna understand. What I mean by this is we can grasp all the knowledge we want. We can go after God all we want by diving into scripture. These are great things. These are incredible things. But acting on those things is a really, really big deal. So I can sit there all that I want and know that there's water underneath me or I can grab a shovel and I can start digging. That's one of the reasons God does parables. If you jump down to Luke 8, 43, 48, it's one of my favorite stories in scriptures and it's talking about pain. It's a really, really amazing story. It's short, but I think it's, it's absolutely beautiful. It says Luke 8, 43, 48. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Some translations say that basically this lady was bleeding and for 12 years she tried to find different physicians. She used all her money, she spent all her money to try to stop the bleeding and nobody could fix it. Doctor after doctor, specialist after specialist, didn't matter, 12 years bleeding, she could not stop this. She came up behind Jesus and she touched the edge of his cloak. Jesus is in this crowd, people are surrounding him and immediately, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus says. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and they're pressing against you. And Jesus says something I think is really cool. He says, yeah, but someone touched me. I know that power has gone out for me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. The second part of pain is simply this. God wants you to come close. I think the reason I love this story so much is there's a level of humility. If you look in verse 47 in that, that part of scripture, the, re, the, the woman realizes that she's not gonna go unnoticed. And it says that she came trembling and fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she would have probably been embarrassed, maybe ashamed, 
maybe her, her jeans were ripped up because she, you know, her robe was ripped up because she's crawling and she's trying to get to Jesus. And she explains herself why she touched him. And the reason I think this is so cool is there's a level of incredible humility. In the midst of pain, you're gonna find yourself in a level and in a season of humility. And you have a couple options. You can be the crowd hanging around Jesus and you can bump into Jesus and you can know about Jesus and read some of his parables and maybe get it and you know, dive, you know, kinda know that you're supposed to dive deeper. Or then you can do something that she just did. You can actually crawl to Jesus because Jesus wants you to be close to him. He wants you to come after him. One thing I've found is that scripture itself, the book, the physical book itself has never, has never healed me. Knowing about Jesus has never healed me. Coming to church has never healed me. Raising my hands during worship has never healed me. Running to Jesus in desperation has healed me. And I can tell you that in February of 2018, I ran to Jesus in absolute desperation because I didn't know what was gonna take place in my life. And maybe you've been there before. Maybe you're dealing with something right now that is, is incredible pain. Maybe you're, you're, you're going through a divorce and you just can't imagine that, that you're, you're just, you feel like your life is broken and it's over and, and God doesn't have any more plans for you. Maybe you're, you've gotten sick and, and you feel like this is the end of the road or maybe you've done something to somebody and they'll never forgive you or maybe you've heard something that somebody said to you and, and it just keeps replaying in your head and that's who you become. And that pain over time will, will just break you down and break you down. And I think sometimes it breaks you down and that the only thing left you have to do is crawl. And that's why I like this story because I think this lady had an, op- an option to maybe do a few things, but I don't think any option involved her standing. I think she probably crawled. I think she probably crawled and she grabbed Jesus' cloak and she was healed. And that's because the power of Jesus is greater than anything we could ever imagine. It doesn't mean that every time we run to Jesus, we're healed. And I'm gonna explain that why here in just a bit, but it doesn't mean that. But in this particular story, I'm trying to show you that running to Jesus, crawling to Jesus, whatever you have to do to get to Jesus, because God wants you to come close in your pain. Nearly 200 years ago, Thomas Jefferson, he wrote this. And I gotta tell you, this is how I'd like my life to be. Thomas Jefferson wrote, the art of life is the avoiding of pain. Thomas Jefferson nailed it. Like if I could live my whole life and not experience pain, who wouldn't be for that, you know? Like all happiness, all joy, no pain, no suffering. That, that's the life right there. And I wanna, I wanna kinda do this because Tom, Thomas Jefferson, I think, might, might be onto something. Life is about avoiding pain, but I wanna tell you, Thomas Jefferson's wrong. And here's why he's wrong. Because we're going to look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a very tender-hearted prophet, and he had a huge mission. And I think his story sums up the idea that pain is going to be a part of our lives, has to be a part of our lives, and is actually one of God's greatest tools to use. So I want you to either turn to Jeremiah or to be up on the screen. This is Jeremiah's complaint. In Jeremiah 12, 1 through 4, God has asked him to do a couple things. He's basically asked him, go tell these people, write a letter, tell these people they're living in sin, I'm not happy with them, things are not going well, I need you to immediately go and talk to these people. This is what I need from you, Jeremiah. You're the prophet, I'm telling you this, go make it happen. And Jeremiah has a bit of a complaint. He says this in Jeremiah 12, one through four, he says, you are always righteous, Lord, 
when I bring a case before you. Yet I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? You have planted them and they have taken root. They grow and bear fruit. You're always on their lips, but far from their hearts. Yet you know me, Lord. You see me and test my thoughts about you. Drag them off like sheep to be butchered. So Jeremiah is angry. He's like, drag these people off to be butchered. They, you know what, they're wicked. You know my heart, God. You know that I'm pursuing after you, but these people are not doing that. So I want you just to, just to wipe them out. Set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will this land lie parched and the grass in every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked. The animals and birds have perished. Moreover, the people are saying, he will not see what happens to us. Jeremiah's angry. He's gotten a message. He's supposed to take it to a group of people. The last thing he wants to do is that because he's ticked. Why would I put myself at risk when these are the wicked people? I'm not gonna potentially cause myself pain when these people are the ones that are destroying everything that you want from us. This doesn't make any sense. We go on further into Jeremiah 26, eight through nine. Jeremiah finally tells him. It says, but as soon as Jeremiah finished telling all the people everything, the Lord had commanded him to say, the priests, the prophets, and all the people seized him and said, you must die. It's exactly what Jeremiah probably thought was gonna happen. I'm gonna tell these powerful people things they don't like. Probably not gonna end well. They say, you must die. Why must you prophesy in the Lord's name that this house will be like Shiloh and this city will be desolate and deserted? You're telling us big things here, Jeremiah. I don't know if you know what you're doing, but you're telling us stuff like, God's gonna take this land and like, I, I don't know if you should be saying this, so you know what we're gonna do? You need to die. And all the people crowded around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. They mocked him. They probably did some of the similar things as some of the things that I've read in, in the Hebrew translation. They probably did similar things to him that they would have done to Jesus. The mocking, the spitting on him, the beating. This guy would have probably not experienced incredible things because of what he just did. He did an incredible thing. And then all of a sudden, they say, this man must be killed in 26, eight through nine, because he's making slack the hands of the soldiers who are left in the city and the hands of all the people by speaking to them words like these. For this man is not seeking for welfare to this people, but only for harm. And Zedekiah the king said, look, he is in your hand, for the king is not able to do a thing against you. So they took Jeremiah, they throw him into a pit which was in the courtyard of the guard, and they let Jeremiah down by ropes. Now in the pit, there was no water, but only mud, and Jeremiah sank in the mud. This is not a good situation. He goes against these people, essentially, and now what they're doing is something that does not sound remotely intriguing to me. They lower him in a pit, they tie him up by a rope, and they lower him into this pit where his feet sink into mud. Persecution. He's struggling, he's in pain, he's not understanding God's plan, he's not understanding God's purpose probably at this point because he's human and he's thinking, God, I'm a prophet and I, they're doing this to the messenger. Why are you allowing me to go through this pain? And this is why I know that pain is very essential because I wanna show you one of the most popular verses that we use in scripture and it's right here. It's Jeremiah 29:11. Jeremiah would have written this to people this is three verses later of him getting put in a pit. For all we know, he's still in this pit when he thought this, and maybe when he gets out, he writes this. I have no idea. It says, 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This is one of my favorite verses, but it's a very interesting verse because I think sometimes we hear this most in graduations, we hear this most in like new, maybe new jobs or if you're moving to a new location, we hear this all the time. But the person that was actually writing this was not experiencing a prosperous situation. Because it says, I have plans to prosper you, but when I'm hanging in a, by a rope, sinking in mud in the bottom of a pit, I don't think that looks like a prosperous life. So what does God mean when he's talking about this? Because I'm looking at this and I think, man, Jeremiah had to be confused. Because I have plans for you, plans to prosper you, I don't wanna harm you, I have all these good plans. I expect that, you know, our kids, you know, I'll probably tell this to my son, but it's like, hey, I want you to graduate, God's got plans for you, go off and do your thing, get your house, get your cars, get your life, get, you know, all that stuff, that's gonna be awesome, God's got plans for you, and he does have plans for us, he doesn't wanna harm us, and he does wanna prosper us, but I want you to see 12 and 13, which is also a very popular verse. See, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. What it doesn't say is good plans. That's how we hear it. For I know the good plans I have for you is how we hear this. Good plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Good plans to give you hope in a future, but it doesn't say good plans, it says plans. And a part of those plans might be packaged with pain. Jeremiah's in a pit. It's not good plans, but it's a plan. And it's declared by the Lord. And I believe that when God speaks and says something, there's promises of God. I trust him with all my heart. And I know Jeremiah would have trusted God with all his heart. But sitting in that pit tied up was not a good plan, but it was a plan. Here's the other part in 12. Then you will call on me and come pray to me. Digging deeper. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Come close. I want you to know today that God's preparation sometimes comes packaged as pain. I wish pain was not a part of this world. I wish pain was not a part of this life. I wish that sometimes God would just give me water instead of making me dig for it. Sometimes I wish that God would just let me bump into him or have some knowledge about him, but the truth is I gotta crawl to him and touch him. And there's other times maybe I wish I wasn't in the pit and he would just pull me out and maybe the plans would always be good plans because that's what I want my life to be, just good, good, good. I, I don't wanna experience pain. But what I know is that God's preparation sometimes comes packaged as pain in our lives. In February of 2018 this year, I was in so much pain, I can't quite describe to you. I had so many nights of laying there awake and thinking, what, like, what did I do? Like, how am I, how have I got to this place? Like, it was terrible. And I wanted God to take it away. He didn't take it away. And six months later, I'm, I'm in one of the best spots I've ever been in. With Megan, with my kids, with, I'm at peace with God. I'm definitely not perfect, I definitely don't have it all together, but I wanna tell you in those six months, God never took my pain away, but he prepared me for something great. And I believe the greatness is taking place because I feel right now that I've never been a better husband. I feel like right now I've never been a better, better father. I feel like right now 
I'm trying to be a good pastor. Right now I'm trying to be a good counselor. I'm trying to be the things that God wants me to be. And if you would have told me that I was gonna have to go through some of the stuff in February to be in this spot now, I would have said, I, I don't wanna do it. I just keep me the same. But God doesn't wanna keep us the same. The fact is that all along he was preparing me. And the fact that all along through the pain that you guys have experienced, he's preparing you. You see, I believe that the deeper we dig, the closer we get. And I believe the closer that we get, the more we understand the purpose. You're not gonna not experience pain. You're gonna go from here and you're gonna experience pain. 2019 is gonna start, it's gonna be awesome. And you're gonna experience pain. And one of the reasons I don't like talking about pain is because I do feel very hypocritical sometimes stand up here because I do not do well with pain, physically and emotionally. I could not get in the UFC ring with Conor McGregor anytime soon, I'll tell you that much. And I cannot emotionally sometimes take pain. I just want God to rid it. I want him to get rid of it. And I do not do a very good job. So I really do feel very hypocritical. And God, as he was speaking to me, just said, Mike, you're gonna keep experiencing pain because it's a part of life. And instead of looking at it as the biggest curse in your life, why don't you try and soak in it? Even though it's terrible and it stinks, I'm preparing you for something. I'm chipping away, I'm chiseling away, I'm figuring something out because I have greater for you, greater things for you. And I believe that the deeper that we dig, the closer that we're gonna get and the closer we're get, we're gonna understand the purpose. It doesn't take the pain away, it doesn't make the pain easier, it gives the pain a purpose and you can turn it into peace, you can turn it into power, you can turn it into anything that you want because God believes in you and God has a purpose and has a plan for you, no matter what you've went through and whatever pain you've experienced today. Six months later, we're in November, and I'm looking back and I'm realizing all the stuff that God had to do in my life, all the chiseling, all the, 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 the nights just feeling just so empty and lonely and feeling so like, like it was me versus the world at times. And, and I, I wanted God to take that away. I wanted him to take the stress away. I wanted him to take the hurt away and the pain. And I would look over at Megan and I'd want him to take that away for her. And I, I'd want to, you know, her, her slate to be clean and her to, to be, uh, you know, not feeling pain for, for some of my actions and, and my lack of communication and things. And, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't take her pain away and I couldn't take mine away. And as I'm looking back, God, God used that. He was sharpening me the whole time. He was preparing me the whole time. This morning, I want you to know, as the band comes forward and we close out, I want you to know that God wants us to dive deeper. When we're in the midst of the pain and we're thirsty, grab your shovel. You can sit there the rest of your life and you can be thirsty and that's, that's not where God wants to keep you. And sometimes when you start to get thirsty, that's not even the worst part. The worst part is grabbing the shovel because you're gonna be down, you're gonna be sweating, you're gonna be getting thirstier. But I can promise that you, as you dive deeper, you're gonna experience water because that's how God works. He wants us to pursue after him. I love that song the band played where it talks about the 99, God's leaving the 99 to come get the one. It's a really powerful thing. But sometimes I think God's asking us to do that where it says there's no mountain you won't climb over, there's no shadow you won't light up. Would we do that for him? because that's what he's wanting us to do. He's wanting us to dig deeper in the midst of our pain. I also want you to know that he wants you to come close. Wherever you're at this morning, you might feel distant. You might feel like a wall's up. Maybe you put the wall up. Maybe you feel like there's just absolutely no hope for you. I wanna tell you that he wants you to come close. Maybe you're broken down enough that you're saying, man, all I have left is my ripped jeans and I, I can only crawl. And that's exactly maybe where you're supposed to be. 
is crawling to him. And lastly, I want you to know that he's preparing you this morning. He's been preparing you all along. Some of you guys had stuff that maybe happened to you when you were five, when you were 10, when you were 15, when you were 30, when you were 40, I don't know. And maybe some of you are feeling like that scar is gonna be with me forever. That scar is gonna define me and that's who I am. And God says, that pain that you experienced, all I was doing all along was preparing you for something greater. So that you look at that scar, you know that there was growth. I look at some of my scars from February. What I see is not a painful story. I see a story of preparation. I see a story of refine, refinement. I see a story that involves redemption. That's exactly what he wants. So if you would join with me this morning, I wanna close this out in prayer. God, you, you are truly a good God. And the truth is that you don't enjoy pain. Sometimes I think you do when I'm in it. Sometimes maybe I feel like you and your angels are up there, you know, maybe laughing and, and I, that's just the enemy. That's the enemy lying to me. I know that in the midst of my pain, I know that in the midst of these individuals' pain, that you're absolutely not only reaching your hand down to us, but you actually come down to us. And I know that because a long time ago, you did come down to us. And you experienced the greatest pain that any human could endure. But what started off as pain and death became purpose in life. Nobody wants to experience pain. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I hope that I can experience a lot of pain today. Nobody wants that. But the truth is that we go through pain every day. We have painful situations. People hurt us. We hurt people. We have problems with depression and sadness. And there's all sorts of things, God, that's going on. And the truth is that we just experience pain every day. It's not going away. And instead of maybe looking at it as the worst possible thing that we could have experienced to us and we want you to remove it as quickly as you can, maybe instead we try to look at it as this is gonna hurt, but there's a purpose for this. I don't understand it. I might not even have a good attitude about it. I might complain about it like Jeremiah did, but the truth is that we know that you wanna do some good things in our lives as you prepare us. Our greatest days are truly ahead. And it's because of the refining that you're doing, the, the purpose that you're bringing to us in the midst of our pain. I just pray a prayer over this, these individuals this morning, God. If anybody is dealing with intense pain, may they not keep it to themselves. May they send a text to somebody. May they send an email to somebody. May they make a call to somebody. Because we don't wanna be a church that does things alone. We wanna do this. I, I would hope that in the midst of my pain, I, I would go out and I would receive encouragement from these individuals. I know that, that that happens, that did happen. And I wanna be able to do that same thing with these individuals. And our church wants to be people who rally around people who are in pain, God. There's a lot of pain in this world. There's a lot of suffering in this world. Help us to not just focus on our own pain as the worst possible thing, but help us to realize that you're preparing us for something great, something that you wanna do in our lives so that we can look back and we can experience incredible growth, Jesus. You are a good God. You are an amazing God. We are grateful. We are thankful. Lord, bless these individuals. Have favor upon their lives.
Would today be a relaxing day that is full of, that's full of your Holy Spirit, God. We love you and we thank you. And it's in the amazing name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.